Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we are here at Styles Switch with Lance Kirkpatrick. And Shane Styles. And you guys have had a, a really successful barbecue restaurant for many years now in Austin, um, doing things a little differently than a lot of modern places have have done them in terms of service style and quantities and now have an expansion with a second restaurant and let's talk about how before we got to where we are now how we kind of started um shane we can start with you what are your early memories of barbecue growing up in the barbecue world or eating barbecue uh sure um a little hard for me because it all involves my dad um who left us 18 months ago but um my memories are just uh growing up all around to mostly just Elgin and Taylor area and uh, between you know Louis Miller would always be the first choice um, Taylor Cafe um, Davis Market or Southside Meat Market was pretty much my dad's rotation and uh, earliest memories would be of you know going to Louis Miller's um, with Fred Fontaine kind of greeting you at the counter um, and then over time it became where Bobby was pretty much the, the main fo- uh, face of the business and then, um, of course, Lance being being the next in line to uh, you walk in and you see those people and, you know, that's your memory. Um, obviously, the the old basketball gymnasium was was uh, really neat, even as a little kid. Um, but, you know, um, when me and Lance got together, um, he couldn't really quite picture my face um, and uh, tried to describe me and my dad always come in together. You know, what do you look like? I know we're both kind of tall, uh, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, what'd you order?" I was I about said, to ask, what, know, "What were you eating?" My back dad then? get a, a half pound fatty, and I'd get two slices lean, two links. And he said, "Man, I know exactly who you are." And so, uh, you know, that was just that was barbecue back growing up, where you know, it was pretty much a a real, whether by order or by face, everybody knew each other, and. Uh, you know, my dad tells a story that he tried to get a job with Fred several times, and Fred uh, declined him every time. Told him he he would eat him out of the place. So that's kind of how barbecue started for me. And, and Lance, what are your some of your early experiences or memories in barbecue before it became a job for you? Man, you know, I didn't know anything about this whole Texas barbecue thing uh, before I got started with Bobby. Um, barbecue to me was hamburgers and fajitas on the grill. It was grilling was barbecue to me. And uh, I simply answered an ad in the paper. And uh, Bobby had running when John left. And him and Trish were running the place by themselves for a couple of months and needed help. And I came in making potato salad, cutting onions, you know, carrying in wood for him, stuff like that. Was that your first bite of brisket? Was that yeah, that was my first uh, introduction to barbecue, to brisket, to, you know, anything. Uh, there was a place in southern Oklahoma we used to eat ribs. When I would visit my grandparents, we would always go to this rib place. So, But I really knew nothing about brisket or, or the, you know, sausage making and all of that. I mean, obviously, that was a, a great bite to start with. But what, what were your thoughts about that? I mean, was it just like I've been missing out on this or is it? You know, was it just a little different, too, I think? Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, it was just a job for me at first. Um, and it was more than the food. It was the kind of the effect that the customers had, the whole situation, how everybody got around barbecue. I was like, oh, this is really neat, you know. Um, I had bartended before, so I kind of enjoyed that counter service interaction with the customer. And uh, 
getting that, you know, instant feedback when they do get that bite of brisket right at the counter like Bobby always did, you know. And um, so it was more probably just the customers that kept me coming back to it than the food, you know. But, um, but yeah, learning from Bobby was great, you know. It uh, certainly had rough days along with the good days. He, he, was, he was a little surly at times. Not always the easiest man to work for, but he was, uh, he was always fair and very hardworking, you know. Um, my dad gave me a work ethic, but Bobby really took it to another level. He he worked harder than any, I mean, hardest working We've guy heard in the industry. That a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, he just. Uh, Lance is catching him very quickly. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, especially after you guys first open, and we'll we'll definitely get to that too. Um, you know, obviously many of the stories are out there too. But in in barbecue at that time, you don't start on brisket on day one. You start with some of the sides or oh, even, even prep. Sure. Um, you know, eventually, eventually Bobby. Uh, introduced you into cooking brisket what were those first you know the first times you were cooking brisket on your own i mean that that has to be a little nerve-wracking when absolutely you realize that you've got these regular customers sure like the styles family that sure. are coming in and they expect the same same brisket from day one right right absolutely and you know that was something that wasn't uh, taken lightly because you know bobby didn't put me on brisket right away like you said uh, i would come in later in the mornings and help finish off with the ribs chicken and turkey the smalls as i call them you know he'd have me help cook the smalls and um, it was a little nerve-wracking. Like you said, you know, he really was trying to get an extra day off. He had been working six days a week for, you know, 30 years, I think. And uh, so I took over the Monday shift is what happened. And so he could have off Sunday and Monday together. And then I would take off Tuesday and he would run it. So um, it was a little nerve-wracking. I almost caught the wood pile on fire on my first day being left <laughs> alone. Um, I, I emptied my ashes out that morning and just... I bricked and put them into a plastic uh, pickle bucket that sat next to the ash can. And uh, we had a fellow come in, hey guys, your wood pile's catching fire out here. <laughs> but uh, the brisket was good. Um, you know, um, I had a good teacher. I, you know, he was a good, you know, we were cooking hot and fast. We would come in and light those pits at like, you know, three o'clock in the morning and we'd be serving brisket by 10, 1030. So, but that brick pit would do that. You know, and were you cooking um, all of the meats yourself at the time? I mean, I, I know obviously, like you said, on, on the Mondays and Sundays. Well, I, we did, and that's how Bobby taught, you know, because that's how he cooked. Um, you know, uh, we can talk later about how the quantities that you're cooking will change the way you actually do cook. But, but the, what would fit on the pit is what we would cook, you know, and he would leave room. He would put the brick, briskets in a certain place every day so he could leave room for the, you know, once they would, would do their thing and get a little smaller and you could do a little maneuvering, then you would load in your turkeys or your chickens a little further from the heat on the pit. Um, so he, he would just load up and cook everything, you know, except, of course, the sausage, cook, you know, hung on that front pit. Did you, you didn't have to rotate a lot of the meat back then, or did you? No, that's to... a pretty evenly cooking pit. That brick pit's something else. It's... Um, you know, you look at the like the Kamado Joes and the um, the green eggs. That ceramic, it really th that's what it does. It keeps it's a bit that of an heat. oven. Yeah. Sure, and it the convection along with that um, that radiant heat of the brick, the way it holds so much better than metal, I think was really advantageous to them. Maybe they didn't know that when they built it. I think the height of the chimney to escape that tall room really helped them, and that was just a happy accident that occurred for that. You know, so. So you you worked at Louis Miller for about seven eight years yeah about that and uh bobby passed in 2008 and, and you had some restaurant aspiration of your own after i guess it was about a year after uh, bobby passed right um and so tell us a little bit about what it was like to go from you know cooking at someone else's restaurant to, to opening your own business 
Man, you know, I learned a lot in that year and a half. Um, um, it, there, there's a lot to the, to the business aspect of that that I just wasn't very good at. And frankly, that's probably why the business failed. You know, if, if I had something that I had to do paperwork on that I didn't want to do, I just didn't do it. And I'd, I'd go cut onions or something, you know. But, um, but I learned a lot, you know. Um, yeah, we, we've seen that even, I mean, even in the pop-up stuff that we do, which is not much. Right. Well, there's so much taxes and paperwork and licenses. And, and well, there is. And so many of us that are good cooks and, and, and we have the passion to serve people and, and do that part of it. You know, that's where Shane and I's relationship in this restaurant has really been advantageous for our success, man, because, you know, um, since day one, he's run the front and everything, and, and, and I've done the food in the back under his, you know, guide, of course. But, but yeah, that's... For the year, first, what, two years, me and you were the meat cutters every day? And yeah, man, we literally idea. did it all. <laughs> when we first opened, it was me and Shane and Dwayne and a, and a few others that are still with us, and... Yeah, we would cut the meat. I would have to leave the cutting block to go throw a log on the fire and come back up and keep oh, cutting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but you know, um, that restaurant was, was 20 years of restaurant experience into one menu and one thing. And to be honest, I had already started working on my notes on that restaurant in 2006 or seven uh, before Bobby was really ready to step away and hand me everything. He said, I want you to you know, be the pit boss here. So I put all of those notes aside and um, and then it was weird how whenever I, I, I finished working there, that building I wanted to do that restaurant in was up for lease. So I was able to, the cool thing was I was able to go into it with just paying a lease on the, on the lease. I didn't have to buy a building, you know, anything like that, but, um, but big learning process. I think what's interesting is like, is, is small town revitalization is happening and as Austin, the boom is, is gone. I mean, it, the opportunity to do that again might present itself just because of, yeah, some of, of where things are going. Taylor yeah. right now. I think that menu yeah. and that restaurant and location may have done a little differently now. Um, I'm kind of glad it didn't. I kind of got it out of my system. Yeah. You know, it was almost like the universe putting me on hold for a bit until this could happen. Yeah, it was yeah. like I got to work out all of my, I had all these dreams and things of what owning a restaurant was supposed to be like, you know. Everybody that's been in the industry for 20 years thinks they want to own a restaurant. Um, so. That kind of beat that out of me, to be real honest, you know. Um, but I think I was just, look, get this out of your system. Something better is coming along. You know, it was a pretty expensive lesson to learn. <laughs> but um, fortunate that it did happen yeah. the way it did. And then that, that opportunity arose when, uh, when Shane, you started putting together ideas for this restaurant. And so tell us how, a little bit how that partnership came together between you and Lance when Style Switch opened. Uh, sure. <clears throat> um, Actually, like, I got to spend a lot of time at Mimosa's when Lance was running that. My grandpa was real sick at the time, so I was spending a lot of time in Taylor, and that's where I would camp out pretty much every day. I think he might have been the first to have, like, Wi-Fi or something back then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, no, uh, I just – so, gentlemen, hanging Christmas tree lights right behind you there, Dwayne Jackson. Uh, can't get rid of the guy. Uh, <laughs> we've been friends since, you know, we were young, and um, – I don't know, I just started telling a few buddies like that that, man, there's just no good barbecue in Austin, you know. And uh, this was before Franklin had opened. And um, so uh, I remember being at a, uh, my cousin's wedding one time in downtown Round Rock, and my brother-in-law started telling me, he's like, man, you know what y'all need to do, and blah, blah, blah. And because um, I'd mentioned to him we wanted to open a barbecue place, you got to find that guy from Taylor. Who's that guy from Taylor? And, and I'd nudge my dad because me and Lance had already spoken. So... Um, 
Really, it was back just back then. There wasn't like I mean, there wasn't a huge number of pitmasters. There's obviously wasn't. They hadn't worked at a lot of restaurants. This was back when you know there's there's literally a handful of restaurants and a handful of pitmasters. So absolutely, um, it, was a, it was a very big win. Yeah, and I mean, again, you know, I knew barbecue from growing up, but the, the older I'd got, the more I traveled. Um, that's when I really realized how good the barbecue I grew up on was. It wasn't like I just was 12 year old and knew this was amazing brisket, you know. Um, so, again, taking all that into account, just uh, um, my dad actually uh, called me the very f- day that Lance put his uh, going out of business sign up at Mimosa. And I literally picked up the phone, uh, had to look through the yellow pages um, to find Lance's phone number next day. and. The yeah. yellow pages for millennials, that's like the internet in a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Lance very politely answered the phone. I almost didn't answer that <laughs> morning. It was might, have been a, the might have been morning a four-letter word or two involved in there. But, uh, but How anyway, early did you call? I, I didn't think it was that early. <laughs> but uh, he, he did agree to, to come meet me. And uh, we, we met at, at Franklin um, at the new location. They just moved into the brick and mortar. And, uh, you know, tried to tell them what I'd, I don't know, wearing or look like or whatever. And when, when he got out, he immediately recognized me. And he just came up to me and was like, what the hell are all these people doing online, man? You know, and I said, man, believe it or not, they're waiting for barbecue. I'd had my head down at the other restaurant for a year and a half, working seven days a week, and I was just not in the barbecue loop at all. Of course, there wasn't a lot of this stuff, like you were just saying, there wasn't, it, it, there wasn't this renaissance of barbecue had not occurred yet. Yeah, and well, the social media explosion of it hadn't happened, oh, yeah, so, well, yeah. That changed everything, didn't it? it, it yeah, did. a, lot of, a lot of things confluence together. I don't think um, there was even like hardly food bloggers when we opened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was maybe well, the, a handful and you knew who yeah, they were. Yeah, those uh, Man Up Texas Barbecue, those boys had yeah, just, they, and they yeah. were one of the first to do the whole blog thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and in fact, the day that they visited us at Louis Miller was the morning that um, that Bobby Drew, had passed Drew away. Drew Thornley, I think. Yeah, yeah Drew yeah. Thornley. Yeah. That's yeah. Drew was a, a great advocate early on, mm-hmm. um, even throwing his own festivals and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, and I read his blog a lot, too, mm-hmm. because he was on top of it, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. So the partnership started. How did this location come to pass? Where, where you? Um, absolute last available choice. Um, was we, this side of town something you were looking at? No, that was pretty much it. This I, I live south unusual. Austin. I live pretty far south. And uh, shout out to like south one Austin. of our first meetings was at Hills Cafe. You know, I loved Hills Cafe. And that's where yeah. I point it out every time we go by. Yeah. He hates it. Because yeah. like, yeah. Every time we drive by, yeah. I'm, I'm, there. I'm like, I know you told yeah. me last time we drove. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's no I even stayed at the business, hotel once. No, did you? Yeah, it's a cool area, man. But at that meeting, even Lance was just like, he, I mean, almost pen and paper. Tell me exactly what y'all want me to do. And we're like, man, cook barbecue. No hiring, no firing, no accounting. Like, no, man, I promise. So, um, but um, were were night times? I mean, was a full day menu early on? Was that an idea? Because that yeah, was again, we, that was very unusual. Now it seems barbecue. like a great idea, but there was the first several years where we were like, this was a really bad idea. You know, our mission statement was kind of be open all day and, and not take longer than 15 minutes to get good barbecue. Um, we're still proud of both of those, but but the all-day thing, we really uh, – the, the dumbest part of our plan was it took a man that cooked, like you just said, briskets, 350 degrees, cooked them for six hours um, to go – again, those are great if you're bringing them off, serving them, and you're done, but they do not hold. 
they do not last. Um, that's obviously one thing. And again, we've holding, holding back then wasn't a thing either. I mean, at, at Louis Miller, they did, they just held them in the pit, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they you know they weren't wrapped or anything, mm-hmm. I believe, back then. So that's another big shift that's happened in barbecues since you guys opened as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, we, we've learned the hard way every which holding method known to mankind. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, was that so so shifting? And again, you, you mentioned you know the brick pits and and how they cooked. And, and now you're trying to cook throughout the day, and you're cooking on steel pits. Well, no, there, no S there. One. We started out with one pit. <laughs> one pit, one man. <laughs> one steel pit. We started out with, with one cook and one pit, and uh, we've got five uh, pits and, like, five cooks back there now. So. Yeah. We, had our, in a, we opened December 17, 2011. We had our first pit fire January uh, 16th. Made it a 2012, month almost. yeah. Was that because you were having to cook so much food all the time and open? No, nah, we had a genius idea of a, <laughs> uh, of a way to keep a pit warm. We overnight. were coming in at midnight. Just I was I was doing what I was taught. You know, we would come in at 11 or 12 at night, start the pits, put the brisket on, and then start loading everything else just the way I was taught to do. And um, but we found out that that pit had gotten really cold at night. It wasn't like that brick pit that would stay warm for you. And so we thought it would be smart to leave a burner in the firebox and let it, you know, well, it caught on fire one night while we weren't here. And uh, I think it had some help. But um, anyway, (laughs) I came in to a note on my whiteboard in the pit room from the Austin Fire Department that they had been here. And uh, they had still don't know how they got in. But yeah, but they got in and uh, they had extinguished the fire and the pit was kind of jacked up, kind of. So I called Shane. He was at the hospital. Uh, his first daughter was being born, was, had just been born. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he hears, hears pit fire and, you know, and it's like. He woke up Catherine and I had two phones at the time and he called them both and she woke her <laughs> up. She got me up. So I came up here. We, we cleaned the pit all morning, put it back together. And then I went to the hospital and picked up my wife and you know, newborn baby and, and went I, home. we ended up opening that day for service i <laughs> yeah, think we were short brisket but we had everything else but brisket that day and that's one of the biggest things we learned too man we had, we we were so dead set on this model of um you know not selling out that we we put out some product at times that we weren't proud of and trying thinking that was the better idea than not having it which again live and learn we would we have the complete opposite you know model now where if it's not perfect just you know it's chopped beef so but well, and, and that's you guys have changed many times over the years from from the beginning. I mean, what absolutely what what are the things that you'd like to talk about at least around some of your processes that have changed or things that really made an improvement? Well, the addition of more pits and more cooks, and well, the thing about that is, whenever you add more quantity to cook and more pits, your cooking style has changed at that point. You know, so we've got a pit that we can just do ribs on, a pit that we can just do brisket on. And, um, you and, know. and that's important. Yeah, I mean, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. I mean, that's important sure. because your temperature of your pit's running different, right? Sure, as well. it yeah. is, you know, because the brisket wants to do a certain thing and then a rib, you know. But even that, I've changed the way I've cooked those with the influence of the better cooks that we've hired. You know, I don't ever want to be the, the best cook in the room, you know. I want to have, you know, the best talent around that we can. And that's one thing that Shane's really, you know, been instrumental in around here is he's formed such a good relationship with these cooks and they you know we've just made a really a, a, a good place to work and so we've had some of the better cooks in the industry come over and want to cook with us and um, you know and we've had some younger guys that we've taught our style of cooking that have done really good too you know we've been really fortunate to have some good talent come through here yeah. and we were really fortunate to be able to weed out some of the ones 
early that we didn't like and um but that's truly uh, you know well, it's a testament to the relationships that that you both built, you know, in this restaurant over the years. The fact that you've got a lot of people that have been here from day one, and that's almost unheard of in the restaurant industry. Well, I mean, the turnover rate is enormous. You, the the teams that you guys have built are all star teams, and the the amount that you've been able to keep for as long as you have, I mean, that that has to be a testament to to how you treat them as well. Well, it is. You? you know, we we started out this place a little bit different than a lot of restaurants do. You know, it's Shane's first restaurant to run. So he didn't come into it any kind of jaded, like some restaurant owners and like kind of a corporate feel or anything. In fact, it was the total opposite. You know, we, we, I, I said early on and I, I continue saying, you know, we've made friends out of our customers and family out of our staff, you know, and, and that's the way we've treated people. And, and um, I think it shows in our food. But yeah, like Lance said too, the you know, just like a it's no different than a sports team, man. You get a star quarterback joins your team, you know, shit, you're gonna get better. And uh, you know, we had guys like Andy Staff and Alan Michael Jackson that were here from the beginning with Lance and they'd never cooked a liquor barbecue in their life. No matter what Alan Michael tells you, dishwasher <laughs> at Southside. I just messed with my buddy. Uh but no, they um they did great for us for many years, man, you know, and they didn't know anything other than what Lance taught them, but they were good good people reliable people man um they're both still in the business today doing good things but for instance chris mcgee called me one day and said hey man you know you want to grab lunch and like i told him every time i saw him only if you give me your pork rib recipe <laughs> and, uh, those pork ribs man yeah, yeah. Uh, well, jalapeno jelly well that's yeah we don't do that any that that hadn't been a recipe ever here but that is what they were doing at yeah, friedman's right. and uh him and evan were putting out some amazing barbecue together yes and um but anyway, he literally said, well, man, you might have to give me a job first. And I said, I'll call you back in like 10 minutes. And I called Lance. I said, I'm hiring Chris, just letting you know. <laughs> and uh, he said, okay. And so we did. And, uh, you know, Chris came in right away. And, you know, Lance's favorite question from Chris was, well, why? We do it this way. Well, why? Well, why? And Lance literally was like, one more why, and I'm slicing you, you know, man. And, <laughs> They, again, I think I made the joke before they get got along, like, you know, gasoline and water. It was just terrible, the two of uh, their strong personalities. And then all of a sudden, you know, all that went away, and then it was just respect for one another. Yeah, and a mutual respect grew out of working together, you know. we He's... Yeah, he's, he's a buddy now, you know. Yeah, and he's he's an OCD to the max um, and in a fantastic way, you know, and um, one of the most talented guys we've, we've had. Um, we still have, um, but and then he challenged us on why we use our pits, and you know we're like because this is what we know, you know. And so he had a pit that he was building out, and I agreed to have it finished being built. And you know if we like it, we'll use it. And I think it was the third day we had it, and Lance and them were like, we're changing all of our pits. And, and, yeah. and the big the big change in the cook and, and correct me or, or add to it was. You had to do a lot of rotation and, and moving around on, on your original pits. And yeah. It's cooked too hot from the bottom. You know? Yeah, the way the close pits are. Well, see, that's why we use the close pits, because they had the pull-out shelves. So, we, you know, it's more cook space for, for everything we wanted to cook. Uh, but a lot of rotating around, you know. And, like, for example, I could fit, like, 18 or 20 ribs into one and still have to rotate them around. And I'd, if I wanted to cook 65 ribs that day, I'm cooking ribs all day. The first 20 will come off in five or six, you know, four or five hours, but then you gotta get the others started and going. So we were cooking all day, you know, and now, um, you know, seven, eight years later, I can cook, well, 
on a norm, I'm cooking 40 to 75 ribs at one time on, on a couple of pits. So. Well, that's one thing that's also unique to, to style switch and, and the processes that you guys have is one of the things that we've learned talking to a lot of people in the industry is the pits that you learn on tend to be the pits that you stick with no matter what and eat bullheaded, headstrong, yeah. for better and for worse. You guys saw an opportunity to that, that you think would improve your product and you went for it. Sure. And, and it's, it's a testament to why you know, part of the reason the success you guys have is you've been willing to adapt and change with the talent that you brought in you know, from a pit room standpoint and, and from day one. What, what was it like cooking in those volumes in terms of did you have to stage cooks in terms of oh, to be sure. able to cook throughout the night? And, right. and, and what were some of the challenges that came along with that? And I got a great answer for that one. One of the biggest challenges is you, you had no real idea of where everything was and from a timeline. So, like, for instance, you know, the way we cook now is all the briskets go on at one time, you know, roughly 1030 a.m. and cook together until they're done completely. Where we used to, you know, start, have our first round, and then we'd have to sometimes start working in more as you go along and stuff, stuff's coming off. But, I mean, it was impossible to keep up with where everything was, you know, and, like, Braun and Chris both made it very to them it was asinine to us it was normal um, and but they they brought in a lot of the holding strategy well, well they just they just you know some things again you're so used to it you don't you don't see that there's anything well, by wrong the time with it. they got well by the time Braun got here we had the added pits well almost we were getting yeah. the, the the poncho and lefty right when he got here but it was very normal the way they did things to do it this way and right. so I mean it was again it was pretty uh yeah. black and white that that was a better method you know and so like okay yeah that makes a very logical sense so let's let's make the change and you know i don't know sometimes it's it's a lot more simple than it seems you just can't see it when you're you know that far in it and one of one of the things i mean obviously with with chris mcgee you guys were sourcing sausage prior to that uh, i think thorndale and taylor meat maybe yep for those um was would when you started making your own sausage was that before or after chris joined was it Oh, that was after. Yeah, yeah, after Chris came on. Yeah, yeah. Chris is a, uh, aka the Wiener Wizard. Um, so, yeah. He, yeah, uh, I tried to go with. Um, yeah, yeah. The Wiener Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, uh, and and that's what's so cool to have like some, you know, Chris and Lance and Braun, all three are so different, and in Inkle and Andy and the whole staff. But, you know, you, you got the workhorse that's you know taught from Bobby and how to do things and you do them the same way every day and that's the magic to barbecue um, and then you know you got some of the younger guys like Chris that they're constantly trying to you know change it and invent something new and, um, and I don't know Braun might fall somewhere in the middle um, but yeah it's you know I, I think it's awesome <clears throat> in terms of keeping it you know fresh and different and um, the specials we've all learned you know we, we started doing specials for most people, and uh, it really, you know, that's when that loyal customer base really started getting involved more. So, And, and you kind of have to do that, I mean, as barbecue's grown, and, and there is a, there's a lot more variety of good barbecue, or right, a lot more variety of good barbecue joints. Um, you, you do have to kind of start to extend out the edges a little bit. Um, you know, we're, we're happy you brought pork steaks back, but... Um, you do something every year as well, which is... Uh, the, tw the 12 Days of Smoked Meat, yeah. which is uh, something you guys have done for a long time. Um, and it's a great way to introduce specials, and we're, we're at that time of year. Yeah, I think it's our fifth year. Yeah, fifth or sixth, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what, what we can expect to be on the menu for, for this year. Okay. 
Uh, well, we have some returning favorites like the tomahawk ribeyes and the, you know, the um, chicken fried beef ribs. Chicken fried beef ribs always a big hit. But we've got some really cool stuff coming with some uh, friends that we've made over the last year or so, some chefs that are going to come and help out. Pretty biscuit heavy this year's menu. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of bit. Well, biscuits are huge in the. I, say, in I don't the think people are going to complain about yeah, too many No, biscuits. especially we've got Callie Spear <laughs> doing her biscuits. And Michael Fotage are the two best biscuits in Austin. So yeah, Holy so Roller and Olame. Um, I don't yeah. know if you guys yeah. have had a chance to oh, eat either one, but oh, the Olame biscuits are legendary. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we we're really to come happy to have Michael <laughs> on board. He said he ate a lot of uh, bodacious barbecue back in his time in Dallas. So, um, so he was really excited. Um, we, we shoot for about 250, between 200 and 250 servings of, of each special every day, and I've told him to shoot for about 400. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that's one of the challenges. And when we do uh, those specials, trying to figure out, like, how many of each to do, you know. So, yeah, there's um, no way to really predict that, I guess. We it's just kind of look at the years man, back yeah. and add Some days you do more. great, some days you really shit the bed. And, I mean, one of the funniest stories, we did chicken and dumplings about three years ago for the first time. And it was a gangbuster hit, man. And every person that walked in, they wanted like three or four, you know, quarts at a time. Oh wow! And so we didn't know how hard it was to make that many dumplings. <laughs> and then uh, we found out, out real fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was checking on some of the customers where they're eating, asking them how it was, and they're like, "Man, it's really good, but there's no dumplings in here." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "There's no dumplings in here." So at the time, he's now our manager, but Kevin was serving sides, and uh, I said, "Kevin." You know, why are you not putting any dumplings? He looked at me and goes, what's a dumpling? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's a grit? <laughs> there you go. But, uh, now, Catherine actually came up with this idea, I think, five years ago, maybe six. But it was strictly another free marketing idea, you know. Instead of spending money on something, we thought it was a fun way to do something to get the, you know, holidays a little busier. And, of course, now it's just taking a life of its own. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Last day is a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> when you know you're at the end of the road with yeah. it. Yeah, you know, definitely have to give a shout out to your wife, Catherine Styles, the barbecue wife, who has been an instrumental part of your business and and launching the barbecue wife brand of things as well. Ha- has really been a lot of fun for us in the industry and then the people around us in the industry. You know, I think both of our wives at our pop ups wear the "My husband smells like brisket" shirt. Yes, yes, so, great marketing. Yes. So that you know, w- wonderful marketing opportunities there, and then Catherine has been a, a big, big help to everything that you guys do. Yeah, yeah, with the sure. with the social media aspect, I mean that you know that again things just kind of lined up time wise, and that that was so important today. And we've told so many people, you know, don't just use crappy pictures of your food. Um, I won't mention some some restaurants but they do oh there's some um, places that make great food that take horrible yeah. pictures and there's yeah. some places that make not great food but take great pictures yeah, <laughs> yeah. true yeah, story it's a real thing man she doesn't let any of us take the pictures we've, we've tried a million times and she has really gotten good at it yeah but it, it's great especially when you're doing specials like this and people aren't sure whether they want to jump into it or not i mean partially you eat with your eyes and that that's a great way to come in and do it yeah. um you know, one of the last things that we'll we'll go into before you guys need to open the door and get to get the service here. But uh, we, we definitely want to mention you guys had a, a wonderfully successful restaurant here, and you decided to do it all over again with uh, with a second restaurant. So, what was the thought behind that, and how did that come to be a reality for you guys? Um, pride, ego, uh, <laughs> a lot of almost too many starting quarterbacks. Um, you know, for one place. Um, really had a great team and uh, you know like anything people move on for bigger and better opportunities as they should um, 
so that had a lot to do with it. Um, and uh, it's it's been a learning curve, big time. Um, we we never knew how lucky we were to be in Central Austin. You know, um, it's it's just a crazy great place to, to sell barbecue. Um, and then we did some things that you know we thought that we were learned something a thing or two that we were gonna you know make our life better out there by the way we serve and you know sometimes you're smarter than too smart for your own good i guess you know um but anyway it's it's the the customer base has really come along food's outstanding um it's a beautiful space um and we're still to this day we're probably going to tweak some things come january from a service standpoint well, one of the things that, that I, I really enjoy about the Switch is that it's not Style Switch Part 2 or another extension of Style Switch. You, you did go on your own there, and, and like you said, there's some growing pains with trying to find the right menu, but um, what was kind of behind the idea of, of not doing Style Switch Part 2? You know, um, I guess barbecue gets a bad rap, you know, if you if you go recreate your second location. I still don't think that that's necessarily true i mean i think the people so far that have done it have maybe laid that foundation because they just you know cookie cutter and go open another one without the same skill set of people um but uh you know so we didn't want to kind of fall into that stigma you know we're talking with like people like daniel or somebody and trying to describe it to him and you know his first reaction was like oh yeah i figured y'all just no i'm just kidding he (laughs) he was very uh supportive of it but um again it just wanted to mix it up a little bit we'd been introduced to todd i was in another venture with todd duplichon and one of the top three chefs in austin and he's got a cajun background and we just thought cajun and barbecue together with two of the funnest cuisines you could you could pair so um we don't disagree with that no, yeah, no. no, no. <laughs> one thing we learned though like you you're already that, in that the most uh, gravy i'm sorry that that is phenomenal it's great but but barbecue you know in texas well, everyone's an expert in barbecue right anyone from Louisiana is an expert (laughs) in Cajun. So you put the two of those together and you've got the two most opinionated, you know, fan bases in the world. And so we, we never thought that, you know, that was like a, the hell did we do here? Um, It's hard enough to please the masses with barbecue. Now you're trying to please two very loyal fan bases. Yeah. And we couldn't, it was hard to get the message out that it was kind of a barbecue fusion. Like a lot of people were coming, like, I thought this was just a Cajun restaurant. So wow, and I think some of that, and it wasn't your fault, but I think some of the early marketing and stuff was, was more around. Yeah, it's going to be a Cajun menu because that's what we had heard. Actually, well, that wasn't our marketing. That was what right, people what I mean. took it, yeah, right, and, right. and made their own thing out of it. But, but uh, yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of. I mean, we also have to talk about that building. So it, there, it is. It's one of the prettiest of features. barbecue restaurants I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, and and I'm not going to start with the pit room. So. <laughs> I'm going to start with the floors because there's there's a lot of little details there, and I love the fact you guys did post oak wood flooring. Um, it, it's little little nuances like that that really set that restaurant off. Yeah, uh, well, if I can plug my friend Fern Santini, uh, she's the coolest people I've ever met, and uh, you know the most sought after here in Austin. But she never done a restaurant before, and so I really, you know, begged and pleaded with her to to help me with this restaurant. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, uh, post oak wood floors and sinker cypress uh, counter at the bar, and um, tried to have it feel kind of like a dance hall with a little bit of a railroad on the top of the bar. Um, but uh, it, it turned out beautiful, and and I'll be, you know, a lot of the comments we got is it's too pretty for barbecue. So ever since then, we've been trying to kind of dirty the place up a little bit, man. But uh, 
Yeah, it's a beautiful space. And, and now we can talk. And, about and, and now you can talk about the, the the most envied pit room in, in Texas barbecue. <laughs> There's a lot of thought into that as well. I mean, the Man, the pits was. and and you know the the sausage smoker mm. from Chris. I mean, that's that's also a phenomenal device. Um, you know, you guys went with Moberg for that one as well as you guys were starting to to get into that. Um, do you know if if that? I mean, I don't think by the time you were already using similar pits here. Maybe not 100%, but mm -hmm. that didn't change much of the, the cooking style at all, did it, at that point? Going to those, the, the full Moberts? No, well, the cooks that we had working out there, we already used to cooking on those pits. You know, we hired Marco Oglesby to come on, and he had cooked on a similar setup. And, you know, Christopher was used to cooking on the larger pits like that, and, um, and Bill, and they took right to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little unfair. <laughs> it's the cleanest pit room I've ever seen. It's got, it's got TVs in there. It's got an incredible view of the hill country. I mean, it's just every, everything about that is just... Yeah, just all the whole layout of the place is just... Even the color you yeah. picked on the pits. I like that. I'm, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that may be what I get my pit painted. Just that gunmetal finish yes. is really cool, man. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that color. Yeah, I think we're, we're not the only ones to nerd out about that pit room. <laughs> but, but we were you should have seen us the day they were moving all the pits in. It was like christmas and prom and graduation and everything all wrapped into one because yeah, it was... it's just a little tighter here right yeah, yeah just a little bit um i saw who was it uh, the new terry blacks <clears throat> excuse me that looks like a pretty pretty cool setup in, in uh Dubellum. yeah I, we haven't I, been up there yet but yeah we've seen the pictures it looks yeah. it looks like a pretty I've nice seen some other well. restaurants that, that have come up and i i would i would believe that there's a lot of current barbecue restaurants and future barbecue restaurants that are using the the switch pit room is kind of their guide yeah um, I, i've seen a lot of layouts similar size similar um, mm. which is great i mean again you guys have been kind of a trailblazer you know one of the first you know full full day and night craft barbecue joints around um, doing some fusion stuff you know all the way back to the brisket quesadilla mm -hmm. at mimosas you yeah know. well that was kind of a that was a stab at the my clientele they they would tell me all the time i would hear around town you know we need something different besides Mexican food and barbecue and Taylor so I opened mimosa to try to give them something different you know we were slow and I would drive around and they would all be piled up at the Mexican food and barbecue places so I said ah I got one for you so I did brisket quesadillas I said I'm gonna get them on one one line of the menu with that so, so there you go, all you pop-up guys that think you invented Tex-Mex barbecue. Lance was there years before you. Man, they were a, really good. trend right now, though. That's, oh, it's, it's, it's hard yeah. to beat one, though, you know. Oh, it's I mean, too good. You can't beat queso and smoked meat and all that stuff. Yeah, tortillas. Yes, I mean, yeah. you can't beat it. But yeah. we'll, we'll wind this one down. Um, you guys have got to open this place up for a busy Saturday. Um, when does the 12 Days of Smoked Meat start? What's the date? Starts Tuesday. Um, my buddy Joel Freed from El Dorado Cafe is coming uh, with the brisket King Ranch casserole. Um, with a, it's got a chili arbol uh, tomatillo in there. Um, it's, he's already sampled it with us. It's amazing. So then follows up with Cali and so and uh, we are not doing brisket tamales. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, the That's a lot of fight, labor, right? Yeah. We turned it into a tamale factory. I mean, literally, we did it four years, yeah. and the fourth year was the last. I mean, we had we had uh, some employees bring in their family members to help, and all of a sudden, I got a you know we were up front. One of the guys was like, "There's a full-on masa fight in the room right now." So <laughs> we just said, "The hell with this, man." Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of other places that have picked it up and are doing it now. So God bless them and good luck to them. But. <laughs> well, there you go. It'll be it'll be a little cleaner back there this year without having all the masa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
but uh, well there you go be, you know be on the lookout at style switches instagram facebook to, to find out you know the days and who's going to be there and what the specials will be because you're definitely going to want to check out you know the the different chefs that are coming in doing the specials and continued success I mean, to, yeah, to get, you out, guys get out to the switch if you haven't yep. been if you've only been to uh, style switch definitely get out to the switch because the drive out there is great and the food out there is great and you know peek into that pit room yeah <laughs> There you go. We're, we're looking forward to, you know, to watching this place continue to get better. I mean, it feels like every time we come here, the food's even better than the last time we came, which is really a testament to, to what you guys have built here. Thank we, you. We appreciate that. That's yeah. the biggest compliment we can get. Yeah. All right. We'll talk with you next time. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Thanks.